people are all copying it now, right? And yeah. doing it. And like, that's what they know you for. Hey, I love the way you drink coffee. We want to buy seven pre sales. <laughs> Welcome to the Big Deal Real Estate Podcast, where we talk about things pertaining to Vancouver real estate, its suburbs, and business in general. We also like to bring on people who are kind of a big deal from time to time. I'm your co-host, That Agent Kelly, here with Jarrett White, aka That Guy That Does Mortgages. If you're watching this on YouTube, leave us a comment, a like, subscribe, click the bell to be notified every time we post. If you're watching this on Spotify or anywhere else, please leave us a rating. We need some help getting this content out there. The algorithm isn't really doing its job for us as of late. So our guest today, Alex Dunbar, the three times more famous TikToker than I am. Alex, glad to have you on. How long have you been in real estate, man? Just over three years now. Just over three years. Yeah. And how, how, how are you uh, finding it? It's good. I love it. Um, I think a little bit of background as to why I got into it. Um, I think a lot of people have a purpose that they want to help others and real estate was just a vehicle that I could do that um, because I was originally actually in kinesiology still a big advocate for health and nutrition and everything else but it just wasn't going to give me the lifestyle that I wanted um, and what so were, what were you originally planning to do with with the kinesiology like personal training or, uh, or exercise physiologist I'm a bit of a nerd so <laughs> okay. more of an analytical side but because there's kind of two sides of kinesiology. There's the rehab and then there's performance and I wanted to be more on the performance side. And unfortunately, the performance side um, is definitely uh, paid lower. Oh. Uh, and if I think that's a good representation of almost everything in this world right now. If we look at, uh, you know, do like doctors in comparison to... Realtors? Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> no, but uh, personal trainers, right? Like everyone's so focused like no one is that focused on being proactive right we always wait until something happens and then we're reactive and so i think that like is a pretty good representation of why again doctors are so highly paid because of the fact that people wait until there is an issue until they actually do something about it so anyways um that was just kind of my long way around uh, part of the reason why I got into real estate, my other side of it was I always thought that to get into real estate you had to be a pushy salesman, I always call it kind of like the bulldog guy in your face and the day that I learned like it doesn't have to be that way um, just kind of opened up my eyes because when you're in university you're kind of just like single minded, you're only looking for one thing and I took a semester off or a, a summer off to work and I realized there's so much more opportunity out there, right? And when I realized that realistically I can be whoever I want and do whatever I want, that was why I got into this business. Maybe similar to you guys, I know obviously was, a little bit about your backstories, but. That was a huge thing for me, like the whole not being, not having to push sales on people. Like I, I thought that the client has to pay a broker, so I thought I would have to be telling clients like, like, oh, this is how much it costs to use my services and pushing that sale. But like as soon as I realized that we're, we're like 100% free for almost all the files except if they're alternative, um, yeah, it was a huge difference because then I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm selling anything to anyone. I'm just literally giving them advice, and if they want to take it, then great. If not, they can go take and take it from someone else or hear the same thing from someone else. But that that definitely is a huge huge thing I found. Yeah, totally. And I agree. I got into real estate for the sim uh, like a similar reason too, right? It's like you're dealing with people's biggest transaction of their life. Like you not only have the opportunity to help people, 
but you can literally change somebody's life financially just by kind of like giving them all the information, making them feel comfortable, and then buying the home. Five years from now, they're up 500 grand on their investment. Hey, let's go invest somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. You can like literally build somebody's entire investment plan for them. So I don't know, it's pretty awesome. So that first year in real estate, how did that go for you? It was tough. It was actually in a market kind of similar to this. We were trickling down a little bit, um, which I think was actually a better time to get into real estate. I couldn't imagine getting in when you did with things just going 100 miles an hour. Just so much liability, like yeah. subject-free offers left, right, and center. And if you don't know what you're doing, you can get yourself into you know a lot of trouble, of course. So um, luckily, I had a mentor. My mom is in the business. As you may or may not know, uh, she is kind of on her way out to an extent. So I had that, which was awesome. Um, as I said, I just couldn't imagine like having so much on my plate all at the same time. I was able to like learn the business a lot better than just essentially, you know, having things move a hundred miles an hour and uh, not actually learn the, the back end and how to write contracts and yeah. how to deal with client. Like, cause at, at this point in time, you know, you're not even going through, you weren't even going through subject removal processes or no. getting inspections or any of these other things. Right. So I think a lot of the agents that are just gotten into the business recently, it's uh it's a whole Shock. new, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> they yeah. don't understand all the extra steps that are now coming, coming about with a purchase because it was just skip all that, get the offer accepted. Yeah. yeah. And personally, that's where I think I actually excel in this business because of my level of like due diligence and ability to negotiate yeah. and everything else. Whereas before it was kind of like, I mean, not to talk down on anyone, but like just put a number on the paper and, and you know, sign the offer, right? The highest number wins. Pretty much. Yeah. Unfortunately, now there's a lot more skill and strategy to it. So yeah, totally. Was totally your agree. was your mom doing any content and stuff? Because you definitely like, I, I want to know how much how much time do you spend <laughs> on content today? Honestly, uh, biggest secret, which I think a lot of people know, is to batch content. Right? Yeah. Shoot a lot of it at the same time. Whenever I have an idea, I just put it down on my phone. Uh, I have a bunch of lists. Like I actually use an app called OneNote. Okay. based off of Microsoft. Uh, Evernote's a similar one, but like my whole life lives on there. Yeah, I'm drawing <laughs> that down. Yeah. So um, whenever I get ideas, I write them down. Like I don't like to have things scripted. When I first got into the business, the whole reason I was actually doing it was not only to educate others, but to teach myself. As I was learning things, I would create a piece of content around it. It helps because, you memorize it a lot better. Yeah, the best way to learn something is to teach someone else. Yeah. Right, and I had to learn over time, which I think we'll get this to this in a little bit here, um, that's one of the reasons why I jumped on TikTok is because I'm a bit long-winded with the way that I explain things. As I said, I'm pretty analytical and I had to break it down into more bite-sized pieces that people were gonna actually understand and have the attention span to actually listen to. And then that'll lead into conversations later on where I can get a little bit more in depth. But if someone sees a 20 minute video on a, you know, on a topic, they're not necessarily gonna wanna watch the whole thing. But if you can kind of give them a little bit of that information and draw their attention in, then you can further explain it later on. But if you can't get their attention off the start, unfortunately, you know, people aren't, uh, as I mentioned before, proactive in trying to educate and get right. information. Alex is actually off. the one that got me onto TikTok. Really? Yeah, because I, I wasn't on TikTok. I was doing like reels and stuff on Instagram. Um, and then you were doing a bunch of TikToks and then you sent me that, that little paper or whatever, like your little cheat sheet. And I was using that for the first little while, but just looking at that thing, I was like, wow, there's a lot of work that went into like, just seeing what works and what doesn't. But, but yeah, cool, fun little so, fact. So you, uh, you're doing YouTube now. 
Yes. You're doing the TikTok thing. Like, what? why did you decide? You kind of answered this, but I guess I want a, a deeper, more in-depth answer. What made you decide to get on TikTok? What were you doing beforehand? And then, and then you started the YouTube afterwards. But what initially kind of made you transition into, you know what? I'm just going to create content on social media. So originally, I was creating videos just through Instagram. But I wasn't really getting the organic reach that I was hearing about in other platforms such as uh, TikTok, of course. So someone kind of got me on it. It was actually, shout out to Surrey Eats. There's, they do uh, some marketing for uh, food, small businesses within Surrey. And he kept, and, and Craig's actually the guy who runs it. And he kept telling me like, get on TikTok, get on TikTok. And I always thought, I think like everyone else, that this is just an app for 14 year olds that do lip syncing and dancing. <laughs> and it was kind of like peak COVID. And I was like, you know what? Why not? Let's just toss a couple videos out there. See what, see what it does. <laughs> Uh, at this point in time, even if I wanted to be door knocking or anything else, it would be very frowned upon. So I started putting out a couple of videos and one of my I think first five hit like 100,000 views. And that was just literally talking about uh, minimum down payments. And at that point in time, I was like, wow, there, there is so much potential here. That was when TikTok was on fire, I bet. That's when it was good. <laughs> That's when I was the only realtor on TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Well, you were probably yeah. the first in BC, weren't you? Or one of the first? Potentially. Yeah. That first that you know of. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. That was before uh, some people at this table were even yeah, in the yeah, business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, guys. All right. <laughs> All right. So how has that been? Go I know, like, uh, the YouTube thing. I try to do YouTube. It's just, it's so much freaking work, man. Like, I just could And it, honestly, like, me and you are different personality types. You're way better at the YouTube thing. I can't talk for that long. I'll find a way to turn 20 minutes into 20 seconds. So it's just terrible for me. But... How has that success been so far with that YouTube channel? It's been good. It's been better than I was expecting. I actually went into it with the thought process that I have no expectations for six months. Because honestly, that's what it takes. I have a couple of guys that I follow, one in Toronto, one locally, that both pretty much said, you're talking to a brick wall for six months, right? You have to put in the time. It's, a, it's very different, right? Because it's, it's much more difficult to grow organically. However, YouTube is a very different platform than TikTok. Each TikTok, individual person is going to be impacted like way more on YouTube because you have such a longer explanation to all your stuff though. Yeah. And that's why like to me, like one follower, one dedicated follower on YouTube is more impactful than a thousand on, maybe not a thousand, a hundred on TikTok, let's say. Right. So they're two different marketing platforms. As you guys probably know, TikTok is more so you're getting things put in front of you, whether you want to see it or not. You're not really sure yet, but on YouTube, it's the second largest search platform in the world. Only number one is Google and Google owns YouTube, hmm. right? That's crazy. So you want to be, I mean, my approach is answering questions that people are consistently asking. And there's a lot of work that goes into that because you don't want to just be answering things that you think people want to know. There's actually research involved into like SEO and everything else to see what are the most asked questions, where is the most opportunity, what are people looking for, and there's so many different approaches to it. But again, even, I think we may have touched on it earlier, um, even if we're both doing the exact same things, people are gonna mesh more with one or the other, right? And I think that's the coolest part, and that's why you, know, you guys have me on this podcast, is because even though technically you could think about us as direct competition, at the end of the day, we're just trying to help each other out and mm -hmm. someone's going to mesh with someone else, right? Like at the end of the day, it, it doesn't matter, yeah. right? We're just, everyone just wants to succeed. And I think when we're we, both doing the same thing, but our personality types are polar opposite. So it's like it, literally, it's literally very rare for 
a client that probably get like is like would treat Connor like a best friend to treat you like a best friend, but a client that treats you like a best friend to think of Connor like a best friend. Yeah, because totally. you guys are like pretty opposite in, yeah. a, in a lot of ways. Totally, except for the whole TikTok thing. Yeah, that's so, the one common ground. So the YouTube thing, right? That's always been like. I personally feel like YouTube's the best way to get business to grow a business but it just requires so much time and energy. Like how much time do you think you're putting into your YouTube a week right now? I have recently hired a videographer. So luckily I have a setup at home, my office that have the camera set up, the the ring light, everything else. And I just kind of hit record. But a lot of the things that take more time is the research. Honestly, like the shooting the video, can be done in 20 to 30 minutes. It's actually researching, especially like community tours. Of course, I know the communities extremely well, but again, myself being so analytical, I don't wanna make any mistakes. I don't wanna miss anything. So I do put a lot of time into that. So it really varies from week to week. Previously, it was like a second job. It was like additional, you know, it could be 20, 30 plus hours. That's crazy. Right? And I think that's where TikTok is nice because it takes a, way lower level of effort and has a such a low barrier of entry and that's why i want everyone to get on there and the difference is that youtube content is more evergreen it lives on for longer people are continually searching that once your video dies on tiktok it's kind of dead right it's almost similar to an instagram story of course people can still come across and it can live for a decent period of time but that, that's one of my suggestions. No one's so, watching the videos that I first put out anymore. <laughs> no, no, not a chance. No, no. I, I was going to say that that's how, if people are scared to get on video, I tell them, start putting out Instagram stories, right? It's going to disappear in 24 hours. No one, think about yourself. How many people are you swiping through every single day? It's a very good tip, actually. Just yeah, start totally. with stories. That way it's not and, actually on the app, so you can't get judged or anything yeah. the day after. It's gone. Don't you don't have to watch it. Like just post a story. Don't even watch your own story. Just like let it expire. Mm-hmm. But just do it, right? And I find it's like there's like a at the beginning when you're creating content for like the first couple months or whatever, everybody knows it's going to talk shit about you. It's just the way it is, mm-hmm. right? But the reason why that happens is because everyone has their own version of you made up in their head, and the second you start doing shit that's incongruent with the version of you that they've made up in their head, to them, it's like you're being inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So after you've been doing that for three months or whatever, then it just becomes normal to them. They just invent a new version of you in their head and then there's no need to talk shit about you anymore. So at the end of the day, just be consistent with your IG stories and then go over to TikTok, I would say, personally. Oh. Yeah, because yeah. I, I was terrified. I remember the very first video I ever did. <laughs> it was right after showing and all I wanted to say was like, just showed this unit. Uh, you know, price point, like two bed, two bath, 500,000 in central Surrey, uh, went really well. Clients loved it. And I sat in my car for half an hour, taking it over and over and over. And I don't even know if I posted it. Yeah. I felt like an idiot. I was actually sitting in the mall at, uh, Surrey central there. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, it's terrifying. It is. It is is terrifying. But the thing is like, it's because it's that first video and you know that because it's your first video and you don't normally do that, everyone's gonna look at it. Like everyone's gonna come across it and be like, oh, this guy doesn't normally like make videos. Like what's this? Whereas like, if I post a video right now, people are just gonna scroll They're like, oh, just another one. Another right? Jarrett I'll, one. I'll see another one tomorrow yeah. and the day after. Yeah. So it's like, 
once it gets normal, then you don't really have to worry as much either. Yeah. yeah. And I always like to relate back. I'm not sure if you guys have heard this kind of like short story before, but it's it's talking about like when you pass away, right? It's like how many people are actually going to be there? Can't remember the exact numbers, but let's say it's like there's actually 10 people who genuinely care about you enough to be at your funeral, right? And if it's raining that day, seven of them aren't going to be there, right? And it's just a good representation of like people don't care about you as much as you think. We all get in our own head, yeah. which is just human nature, right? But once you can kind of get over that, and, and, and again, at the end of the day, like, if people don't mesh with you and they don't like what you're doing, they'll unfollow you. Who cares? Isn't that the whole yeah. point of having these platforms? Are you trying to fit the mold of what you want people to think about you? And you'll never fit the mold of what everyone wants. No. Ever. So that's why, like, sometimes if you do have a stance on something, you, you got to just take it because yeah. the people that don't like it, they're just going to unfollow you anyways. They're, they're likely ever going to be a client of yours to begin with. So it's not like it's a big deal. And that's like, like, for example, the 50 basis point rate hike every single realtor in the lower mainland posted that on their Instagram, right? So I always try to take a stance whenever I make content that here's the information and here's my opinion on the information, right? Mm -hmm. Because at least when you take a stance and you put an opinion out there, it's polarizing. You're gonna have a bunch of people that are like, yeah, I agree with that opinion. Then you're gonna have a bunch of people like, I hate this guy. Yeah, but right? the people that say I hate this guy doesn't even matter because they let, they weren't going to use you anyways. And they're still commenting on your videos yeah. too. Yeah, but right? the people so that did it. agree with you are more likely to actually reach out to you because you actually said something that you they, built a connection yeah. with them. They're like, I agree with that. Rather We're than in just not taking a side at all. Yeah, and it's also just like, rather than just being like, here's the information, right? It's important to show like who you actually are as a person so you can connect with people show them what you think, your opinion, and then they just have something to connect with, right? It's super important, which obviously you'd never be able to do on a billboard or anything yes. like that. Right? And, and quick note on that, actually, quick pro tip. Uh, as you kind of mentioned, everyone's talking about the 50 basis point rate hike. There's always these articles that come out and you see every real, realtor just repost it, post the link. So instead, what I do is I make a video out of it. No one else is doing it. Today, there was a, an article talking about how it takes 40 years to save a down payment in Vancouver. So I dug a little bit into the article instead of everyone else just posting this daily have article. And I just posted it before we got in here, actually. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. But I feel like that reaches a broader audience because otherwise, no one really, you just repost it. No one's actually, you're not giving an opinion on it. You're, uh, again. Yeah, 100%. I think, I think when you're making content, I like providing information is awesome too but i definitely think you got to have an opinion on some things right and and you're going to be wrong sometimes and that's okay right you, yeah. you took a stance and you were wrong whatever yeah. people are wrong all the time look at all these economists that are con consistently wrong about everything right so whatever but um so the the youtube thing is like super intriguing to me obviously right we, we spoke about this now seven times but what do you think has made you stay so consistent with putting out the content because I couldn't do it. Like, what, what is your, like, mindset going into that? What is making you do that? Just having a long-term vision, not getting so caught up in the short term, right? And I'll apply this to the rest of my business as well. And kind of advice for anyone that's getting into the business or just maybe struggling or having hardship is to have an aggressive patience. And what I mean by that is to do all the right things every single day. Do what you have control over, right? And the outcome, it, it'll come eventually. It could be two months, could be two years. But if you consistently do what you have control over, whether that's making phone calls, making content, door knocking, yeah. that's what you have control over. So set your goals, set your numbers, do that day after day, 
you may blow up like Connor in a short period of time, or <laughs> it might take, you know, a lot longer. But, you know, I, I'm... Was that supposed to be a shot at me? No. No. <laughs> not at all. Yeah. No, it, it was a compliment. But, I mean, some people will be doing that for a long period of time, and it might it might take a year, two years for it to yeah. actually catch on. Yeah. But you're going to be getting better over time. You're going to be essentially keeping a promise to yourself, right? Don't get so tied to how many deals did I do this year, right? Because you don't have any control over that. You could do a fantastic job. I was just, before we started, I four of my last five deals have collapsed this month. Unfortunately, I had no power over it. You know, the the inspection went wrong, the strata documents didn't read well, but what did I have control over? You know, the amount of videos I was making, the number of calls I was making, the number of showings I was taking clients on, the number of appointments I had. And that's okay because it's gonna pay off in the long run. Instead of getting, again, so focused and we're so bad in this industry for it because of social media and everything else. We're always looking, there's always gonna be someone doing better than you. Yeah. yeah. There's always someone posting, oh, sold sold five homes this week. Just sold 14 units in District Northwest if you're watching this, Guzair. <laughs> Man, it's terrible seeing that on my Instagram sometimes. Having a rough day and then it's just like everybody around, he's just sold, 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 right? But at the end of the day, you know, it, as it I already really said, matter, it, it doesn't matter. As long right? as you're like not like starving you're like comfortable like as long as you're growing your business it doesn't really matter like how much you're you're making at that point in time yeah. i love that man it's just staying consistent over a long period of time and what i think a lot of people don't understand about social media like i found this is like it is a skill it's a whole nother skill you have to build it's exactly like cold calling like when you first start cold calling you suck at it like everybody else three months down the road after doing it every single day you get better at doing it it's the same thing with uh, making content, right? Like the first 50 videos you make are gonna suck. The, co- the audio quality is gonna suck. You're gonna put the music too loud. You're gonna say a bunch of shit that nobody cares about. I look back at some of my old videos and I'm like, wow, <laughs> yeah. I posted that? Oh my God. I know, I'm the same way. So going forward, it de- I'm curious. So how long have you been doing YouTube now? Since December, I believe. Okay, so, and so only, only yeah, like five I, months, basically. Basically, and I set the goal to do 50 videos this year. I don't know what I'm at. I think I'm ahead of it because uh, I was doing two videos a week for a while. Then it got got to be a lot, so I'm doing one right now. We'll try and get back into two. But, again, that's that's what I have control over. And then it's just obviously adjusting the quality and, like, figuring out what works. And I think that's part of it as well, right, as you guys have probably seen on Instagram and TikTok yeah. and whatever platform you're using. You have to learn it. Like yeah, part of it's just learning the platform. Quality is really necessary for the for the app. <laughs> like every time I actually put quality into my TikToks, <laughs> they do absolute shit. And that's why I'm so jealous of Connor because he's taking that laid back approach and like that's who he is, and it's so authentic. So to now, him. if you do that, <laughs> people are gonna be like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> but it, it's cool, right? Because everyone, and that's why I say it, it just has such a lower barrier to entry, and that's why I do really like TikTok. Yeah, and I am typically try and put out a little bit more polished videos and I'm, I'm not as good at just like speaking on the cuff uh, but you know if you can do something along the lines of what Connor does like again people just want to see like the the genuineness is that a word that's the thing yeah the gen the gen authenticity <laughs> Genuinity? The, the authenticity, authenticity there you there's go. so much like of that missing right now of just like people just being oh. vulnerable on camera and just being like this is actually who I am yeah, so every, can every introduction video of a realtor, every listing video, they all sound like somewhat the same. The same, In a yeah. sense. 
even my introduction video sounded yeah. like every other realtor's introduction video, but that's because I, I sucked at making videos yeah, until I made 500 of them, right? So do you, do you think that um, there there is like a quality threshold for social media or should you always just be trying to make it as best quality as possible? I think there is because at the end of the day, everyone's at a different level as well. And if you don't have a team or someone that you're hiring to actually produce it, yeah. You know, we we have to be working in the business. Like, that's the thing that actually brings in money. Of course, yeah, exactly. we're doing lead generation, but is that the best use of your time? Right? Yeah. And that's why I have ended up hiring a video editor for YouTube, and I'd like to expand at a, at a certain point in time. And when you start, you don't need to because you probably have more time. It's when, yeah. when you're doing the trade-off for actually working in the business, right, doing the things that are going to be bringing you money, showing clients' homes, being on appointments, listings, everything else. Lead generation is a major part of that, but if you can outsource any of it, with that, the, this is the tricky part, is to keep it genuine while outsourcing. Yeah, and then some things you can outsource because it's actually you on the camera. I mean, you can outsource the editing, but most TikToks aren't edited, at least Connor's con no, aren't. No, um, Yeah, I see that Brad Lee guy, he always says, he's like, be the content. Right. So that guy literally just has he just hires people to just follow him around all day and videotape him. So he doesn't actually have to think about ever making content. And then they clip the content, the content down for him and then he posts it. I don't think um, he posts it. I bet they even do that. They probably him. do that, too. Yeah. Right. But I love that the hiring a videographer thing, because that's something that um, I do, too, obviously within reason. Right. But I've I've found that, like, if I don't like doing something, why am I going to do it at all? because I'm never gonna be consistent with something that I hate doing, right? So obviously in the beginning, like you need, to, you need to try every single possible way to generate leads and you need to find out what you actually enjoy doing. Like for me, I like making videos and I like door knocking when I have a purpose to door knock. So those are like my main things that I like to do, but I absolutely hate cold calling and I don't do any cold calling anymore, right? So um, yeah, I think people should just, Try out a couple different ways of generating leads and then figure out which one you think you can, you actually like doing. Cause if you hate it, you're not going to do it long-term. That's just the way it is. Right? Yeah. I think that's the beauty of the business though, is that you can create it and run it any way that you want. There's no one right way. And some people will tell you there is, don't listen. No. You know, if you want to create content again, even within content, there's different platforms. You can be successful anywhere. You don't have to create content at all. You can you door can be off. successful on LinkedIn. You can. Actually, you can yeah. though. I have buddies I do, who do that. Which is crazy because yeah. I don't. I don't even use it at all. Well, but I, could, I should like an, be. It's just like an endless like pool of like thousands of leads, yeah. and you can like search by industry too. So you can be like, I'm gonna prospect plumber. I see like a thousand messages every couple of weeks on LinkedIn. Someone wanting to connect with me, and I don't even know what. Dude, it means. I should show you my inbox. It's literally like 900 messages of people oh, wanting to connect with me. It's crazy the amount of prospecting that goes on on that app. It's out of control. Could you use nine to 11 more appointments every single month? <laughs> Book a call with us. I could, but maybe not with you anyways. <laughs> um, uh, so you've been in the industry for three years now and statistically speaking, you are successful because if you weren't, you wouldn't be in the industry anymore. What do you think is like the biggest thing that has gotten to you, gotten you to this point? Is it like, 
maybe a phrase that pops up into your head that just reminds you to keep on track or is it just your consistency like what do you think that number one thing is for you goes back to the quote i said earlier have an aggressive patience so just continue to do the right things do what you have control over and the results will come right and through different aspects of your business i think once you get to probably that three to five year mark that's when you know things really start to turn over because you're getting more referrals you're getting repeat clients and if you can get to that point you know that's the toughest part as as a realtor i think there's a lot of people i've noticed recently getting into the business that it's not as easy as it looks like people don't see all the work that goes behind the scenes they think this is how i talk about it when i kind of i guess give my value pitches that i'm not a door opener i go like way further than that because i'm doing all the research and due diligence and everything else and so if you can specialize and have a high level of knowledge in something specific, maybe it's pre-sales, maybe it's assignments, Connor, <laughs> or a, a specific city or location or property type or whatever that is, you can slowly add to your you know, knowledge bank over time. But how else are you going to stand out when you first get into the business? Some people have major networks. Like if you can tap into your network, that's awesome. But I think as this business becomes more challenging just maybe due to market conditions due to higher comp levels of competition due to other factors that are coming in you know uh, the way i kind of look at it as well is back in the day in all honesty i don't know if people know this but i'm happy to share is that realtors kind of ran a monopoly on the market they held all the information it was very difficult to get into listings or showings without them and now over time essentially all that information is being provided to the public so if you can't tell someone something above what the last sale price was mm -hmm. what's the purpose of them using you yeah right they're gonna find someone else so i think it's becoming more important than ever to be able to provide a higher level of value because there is so many realtors out there and there is such a high level of competition but everyone says oh it's too saturated don't get into it but as i said at the end of the day like there's always there's so much comes down to what you put into it yeah there's so much room for success out there again as as we said that's why we're all sitting here we're not competing with one another you know we're just collaborating and, and chatting about different ways that we may have had success or ideas to share with others so yeah 100%. do you think a lot of due to the market and how it's going do you think a lot of realtors are going to fall off this year and and maybe leave the business i do yeah like i do a lot a lot or like just a, uh well it depends what's what you your guess? a lot Right, more than fifty percent? No, 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 no. How I think many, in, I think in two thousand eight we how, lost. How much did it increase last last year and the year before? Mm, not too sure. It was huge in Toronto. I know in Toronto it was a ridiculous number, or the GTA. There was a pretty big number in BC. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know it. It seems, and I've talked to a lot of people that have been through these cycles. And it, it is very cyclical because people see it and they think, oh, here's a bunch of easy money, yeah, and right? And they see everyone else being so successful and then all of a yeah. sudden the downturn comes. And unfortunately, a lot of realtors aren't the best with their financial habits yeah. because you can make a lot of money really quickly. But if you're not planning for your future, you know, financial literacy is, that's what I always tell, um, what do you call them? Financial planners or yeah. anyone in that business. I'm like, target realtors. I'm like, there's a lot of people out there that do very well, that make a lot of money, but they don't know what to do with it, right? Or even I've seen huge teams that, yeah, their number of deals and their gross income looks amazing. But when you actually look at the net income at the end of the day, it's like, are they actually running their business in the most productive way possible? No. Right? Yeah, totally. 
Yeah. I think it was, I think we lost 4,000 realtors in after 2017, I think it was. So we had like 14,000 and went down to 10,000 in the GBRD or something like that. So that's a pretty big, like that's, that's like what, 30%? 30%? No, No, that's like 20, 25%. Isn't there like 30,000 realtors? There's, I think there's 14,000 in the... Uh, Vancouver Real Estate Board and th- around 3,500. I think more now. I think it might oh, be 3,500 in in Fraser Valley. So there's yeah. 15 grand total. Uh, 20,000. Yeah, around roughly. that, roughly, roughly. Yeah. Oh, and that was the last time I saw it. So. Yeah, you're saying BC though. Oh, BC is talking. a higher number. BC. I'm, okay. I'm only thinking a Real Estate Board of Greater Vancouver and the Fraser Valley. Yeah, yeah. So I would agree with you. I think so. I think there's going to be a lot of realtors that got into this thing it's going to be easy peasy get all these realtors and their amgs making all this money and, and it's funny because i had a lot of people say to me in 2021 that oh what a time to be a realtor you guys are probably making so much money but, but it's also just as hard then too because of all the saying. multiple offers and everything it, it, if you it don't might have- as well have been like and I, you know what yeah i'm gonna say this i don't think this is a ridiculous claim it might as well have been 2008 because the circumstances were the exact same if you're a realtor in 2008 there was way too many listings and no buyers in 2021 there was way too many buyers and no listings it was the same thing if you were a realtor like it literally might as well have just been a market meltdown if you're a realtor right because the same thing was happening Mm -hmm. so it's crazy yeah and, and and for me on the mortgage side of things like we have so many different avenues on how we can get a like get a file done through refinances, renewals, purchases. But if you're a brand new agent or a brand new broker, you're really only getting purchase files. You're not getting refis and renewals because you don't have any past clients. So when you get a client and then they can't even win on offers for eight months, it, it, it could get pretty brutal. Like I, I had one client that was consistently putting in offers from October and then went all the way to I think November before they got a place and that's solely because they had to have subjects in just based on their situation and they just kept losing every single time. And it's funny that you mentioned that too because during we'll say March and then six months back the biggest problem in my business was actually uh, essentially closing deals right to actually getting people into properties based on similar situations maybe mm-hmm. they had high ratio financing right and you can't go sub- I mean you really shouldn't go subject free no. of course and we're, we're writing offers on all these different properties, but when you're consistently competing with 20 people, I have a hard time telling someone to write some of these big numbers that are up there, right? Whereas most of the time, I think most realtors, the issue is, I think a lot of people can lead generate, but it's how do you actually acquire that client, right? There's kind of steps to it. Anyone can lead generate, but it's very, you know, a lot of the leads are, are poor quality. Now, how do you actually gain their loyalty so you can start looking for them? But at that point in time, actually, it was actually getting people into places, which, it might sound bad, but like there's just so many other factors going on. I've never had that issue in my life, and I hopefully never again. But it was, as you know, the market was just so insane. Oh, I stopped going to open houses at yeah. one point for like the last three months of 2021. I'm like, why am I even going to go to an open house? Like, am I ready to write 250 grand subject free over this asking price? No, we're not going to the open house. <laughs> like, it's a waste of time. Yeah, and I, I had right. clients priced out so quickly, unfortunately. Like I do work with a lot of first time buyers and just the way that prices accelerated, people got priced out in the matter of a couple of months. Yeah. And they there was nothing they could do about it. And nothing like I always tell people I'm like I'm a realtor, not a wizard. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately I can't help you there unless Yeah, especially you know. when they're looking for like two beds for four fifty and then 
month a couple months go by or a month goes by and now they're looking for one bed for 450 and then goes by even more and now they're looking in abbotsford opposed to langley and it just yeah. like kept kept getting worse and worse for people so what do you think uh what would you say to like a new real estate agent what do you what do you think a new real estate agent should do right off the hop to get started day one create a daily schedule and again it goes back to what are those things that you have control over so one of the very first things is to reach out and just let people know the saying is always don't be a secret agent right let people know that you're in the business don't do it in a pushy way don't be hey if you're looking to buy or sell just let them know you're in the business right i think that's one of the best ways whether that's you know my one of the secrets that i used to use i don't know if it's a secret but a little strategy was to go on facebook every single birthday what do people do they write on your wall send them a message dm no one does that start a conversation make it personalized though right like actually be genuine don't just say hey happy birthday have a great day right maybe you know they just got married maybe they just had a kid add a little something else in there and it's going to organically start conversation right you're going to do you remember everyone that said happy birthday to you on your facebook wall no right but if someone actually starts a conversation and and it goes somewhere you're putting yourself in their mind right that's again just one of the best ways just to you know what do they say real estate's a contact sport how many touches can we get yeah totally. you know one of uh my coaches that i had he has this again it's it's like a daily thing where you can do send five texts out to people within your sphere your database which you should be building over time just hey how's it going like i can't remember the exact terminology he was using but it was like what's new like what's new and exciting that's what it was it was what's new and exciting right kind of open-ended questions where people are actually gonna start a conversation think of an answer it's not just yes or no they actually have to think of an answer which sparks a a conversation yes and yeah so again it's it's just getting in contact with people letting them know what you do but not ever being pushy because that was a whole part as i was talking about before why i didn't want to get into the business but if you have these things set out every morning okay first thing when i wake up i'm going to check all the birthdays on facebook or yeah so then you can send them a dm there's other ways you could send them a, a card a five dollar starbucks gift card i don't know if people know about bomb bomb that's a video service where you're going to stand out again because if you send them you, or even you don't even have to do it that way you can just send them through instagram dm just take a quick video hey happy birthday hope you have a fantastic day i want to like look forward to seeing you soon you're going to stand out amongst everyone else yeah that's so, powerful to actually send them a personalized video no right? one they're going to be like that. who does this yeah but they're going to remember that yeah. Right. A Forever. Guy, one of those guys that was saying that he can generate uh, generate twenty to thirty leads a week for me sent me a personalized video the other day. And Did I was he like, really? I was like, oh, and I actually followed him. Yeah, I see. I you actually remember followed that him guy. because I was like, I was like, that was good. Yeah. Like I watched it. I was like, that was good. Yeah. Like, I check this guy out. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. that's awesome. I like that actually. I like that a lot. I might I might have to steal that one myself. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, those are again just a couple of tips and a couple of things for new agents, but as I was kind of saying, just like create, create that list, right? And for me, it was, you know, one Instagram post, one TikTok post, one post on Facebook. And then I actually put it into an Excel sheet. Like you don't, it got a little bit, you know, monotonous over time, but I was tracking on a daily basis and it was keeping me accountable. But at least if you have a checklist, have, there's so many apps out there that you can just have it recycling and then you just check them off every single day right whatever that is that you want to be doing just have some sort of schedule because you know they don't really teach you what to do when you get into the business 
So you need to Fine. figure it out for you yourself. Make, make it up as it. you go kind of thing, yeah. Okay, I got a question. Yes. So is it important to know how to golf to be a realtor? <laughs> yes, very. Yes, and why? <laughs> I don't have the answer that you want, but it, I guess it's I, more... I, I can tell you that I... You know I'm, not, I'm not that good at golfing and Deho was giving me shit the other day and I was like let's let's go let, let's go play uh let's go to the course and play some golf he's like nah dude you have to go to the you have to go to the range first I'm not gonna play with somebody who's gonna be garbage <laughs> sounds like a realtor <laughs> yeah <laughs> do you hear that is that Daniel Deho punching air <laughs> <laughs> I was legitimately like what is he listening <laughs> anyways shout yeah. out to uh, that Langley realtor yeah uh but uh, on the topic of golf, it's funny. Um, last year, I golfed a lot more than I probably should have. Um, I think because I had been doing all the things consistently, I had business coming yeah. to me that I didn't have to necessarily work as hard to get because I was just doing the same things consistently versus like uh, putting in tons and tons and tons of hours. And so this year, I've actually gone on like almost the complete opposite where I haven't been out enough. And it's, it's almost for me an indicator of like my mental health which sounds weird, but like when I'm getting out at least once a week, like that's just my free time to forget about everything and like enjoy it. And it, it's crazy. When I first got into the business, there was actually a period of time where I forgot what I liked to do. Like I was just so focused, like head down, like I have to make this work. And I don't think that's actually a good thing, right? Um, that's how I feel right now. That's yeah. Funny you say that. That's you can work as hard as you want, like for so much, and then you finally hit burnout. And I hit that for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I just had to remind myself that, like, you know, there's always going to be business there. Like, if you lose a deal or two, it's not worth it at the end of the day, yeah. right? So for for me, that's my kind of like getaway. Um, and this year, I've been trying to find that balance, and it's always hard, right? I don't think there is a perfect balance. I think when you have the energy and when you're feeling good to get after it right like get into the business but if you need to take that break like don't be afraid of it which is going to relate back to my next point is like making sure you have systems and processes in place so that you're able to do that i was terrified before of leaving my business and yeah i have my mom to cover things but i'm just so in my head about like i need things done a certain way and you have to be able to let go a little bit even with my video editor I want things done a certain way and I had to understand from the start that it's gonna be you know, 80% what I want and I just have to be okay with the other 20% and it's gonna get better over time. Right. So I think that's a good application for almost everything in the business and, and your own videos for yourself, right? Like it's not gonna be perfect from the start, mm -hmm. right? So if you, it's gonna get better over time. If you can just be okay with it not being perfect, you're gonna be working towards that better place. And that's the secret sauce, it's just, being okay with without perfectionism it's done is uh better than uh perfect is that the saying done pretty is, close is something like that on the topic of golf still though <laughs> do do you think it's important for a network or do you think it's not important but do you think it's a good networking tool or yeah no i do because that is and it's actually i got a good way to segue this into my point but Go, people know me for golf like that has become part of my really? personality and like they're always oh, like have you people either say like oh have you played this course or do you want to come out and play or and the other side of that is craft beer people now know me for craft beer because i <laughs> i post funky beers on my stories and i'm like oh that's so cool like where do you <laughs> i don't want to be that guy 
just the most typical white dude, like yeah. craft beer and golf. Yeah. So bad. <laughs> but, you know, that's what I kind of learned over time is that I think, again, going back to when I first got into the business, yeah. we're getting off the golf topic a little bit, but I was so scared of not fitting the mold of what people wanted me to be or what I thought people wanted me to be. Yeah. And that, again, relating back to TikTok and then Instagram stories, when I actually started posting more personal things, yeah. right, I don't, it can't be all business. Like people want to know about your life and like what you're up to, right? They want to see you, you know, in the mornings. Drinking a coffee. <sighs> you know, they but that kind that, of stuff, man. right? They love that. People are all copying it now, right? And yeah. doing it and like that's what they know you for. Hey, I love the way you drink coffee. We want to buy seven pre-sales. <laughs> Here's the deposit. But um, yeah, I know I got off topic, but yeah. with with the golf, honestly, I think I've networked a lot more with realtors. Uh, I do. Yeah. I've taken clients out, and but I think the difficult part is that our schedule is so opposing to the rest of the public, right? Because yeah. we have to show properties during the times when they're not working. Yeah, weekends so, and all that. So yeah, you, so you, most of the time I'm, I'm playing from like 7 to 11 a.m. when there's not a lot going on in the business or I'm not really necessarily needed. Things can wait. Yeah. So it, it can be difficult in that sense because people are always asking me Saturday. And it's like, well, you know, Saturday's when all the open houses, everyone wants showings, nobody's working. Yeah, and um, the other people are looking at you that you're golfing on a Wednesday or a Tuesday during the day, and they're like, God, this guy's just fucking slacking off golfing all day. (laughs) And that's the thing, right? Because people don't understand what's going on the rest of it because they probably just think, oh, weekends, right? You're you're just off. Meanwhile, we're like 24-7. I get a call. It could be late nights too. Even after golf, you're working from 4 4 p.m. to like 10 p.m. sometimes. You never know. And, And on that point, that's when the majority of my content is filmed. Yeah. Early morning, like once or twice a week right now, I get up at 5 a.m. Because who's going to be bothering me between 5 and 9, realistically? Or it's kind of, you know, 10 p.m. to 1 a.m., right? Especially when you've got so much else going on in the business. If you just schedule in that time and you do all your filming then, then it's not going to get interrupted. Because yeah. people are like, oh, when do you even work? Like you just film all these videos. It's like, as I said, it's almost a second job to an extent, at least yeah. part-time. I've been getting up at 5 the last like two weeks now just because i've been like so overwhelmed with how much stuff i have to work on like like file wise that I've, i haven't been used to and still trying to do the social media stuff um so yeah like five five to like eight is my social media yeah. time where i just make it all quickly it is like and running then, two businesses it is because the social media in, in a sense is a whole nother business that you're building right so it's it's a lot of time. That's funny though, because I've been feeling a lot like that lately. Where I'm like, I've literally forgotten like how to have fun. <laughs> like, I'm like I don't even know what fun is anymore. I'm like, if I go have fun, then like I'm leaving my business. You know what I mean? Like, I can't leave my business. You know, it's crazy. Anyway, did I cut you off? I think I did. No, oh, I was gonna say on also on that note, there's content schedulers that you can use for different apps, so that you don't necessarily have to be posting all the time and like worrying about it so if you're batching this content right you can ha- you can set up your schedule for the next week if you want to of course there's certain things that are going to come up from time to time your stories are going to be yourself but different posts maybe more evergreen stuff or things that you're answering questions that are more generalized 
you can schedule it for the week ahead of time and then you don't have to worry about it because that's that's the biggest thing i hear from people is like when do you have time what if i forget right and then they're scrambling because like oh i haven't made a post today or i haven't put my youtube video out this week but if you're actually planning ahead of time scheduling it for yourself you could be doing whatever and your business is essentially to an extent like running itself right so only issue i have with scheduling content ahead of time is that i make it and if I don't post it right away, I'll look at it and I'll be like, that looks really, really, really fucking dumb. <laughs> I don't want to post that. <laughs> so that I don't post it anymore. Yeah. I have like a drafts thing of like 50 reels I made and I haven't posted a single one of them. So like, oh, I was just going to batch all of them. Now I look back at them. I'm like, wow, I, still I look so bad. I, just, I post the stupid ones, but I never watch them again. I never, ever look at them again. I just post them and then that's it. I don't even want to see it. No one remembers it. No one remembers it. And you gotta be careful that it's not like time sensitive stuff yeah. in yeah. in the scheduling. I've I've seen interest rate announcement, Bank of Canada. <laughs> two weeks later. Yeah, yeah. That's the only thing, but again, that's just another thing to, you know, get people away from excuses. Right? You don't have to do it, but it's just little tips yeah. here and there that you can implement these things into your business. Even if you take one thing away from the conversation today. Right? Everyone wants to run things differently, but I'm just hoping people will pick up at least one or two things from this that yeah, maybe they 100%. didn't know about or maybe one last question I got for you. Oh boy. What is what is your goal for your business by the end of the year? That's a good question. Um, it could be anything. At the start of the year it was to help 30 families or individuals which it still is, but I think you know, things evolve over time as well. So part of my goal this year was, as well was to take a bit of more time to myself um, and for family and girlfriend because I feel like I've been neglecting that a bit, which I think is, <laughs> Jarrett knows, yeah. um, which is just as important. It's so hard to get so caught up in the business and it becomes such a part of your life, right? Like most people are able to leave work at work. We never really leave work at work, right? It, it you're always thinking about it. It's so hard to shut off. And just taking more time for myself is definitely a big part of it. Even though it's funny because sometimes I do it and it makes me more stressed and more anxious. Yeah, totally. But it's, you know, just figuring out what that is, setting boundaries with clients, setting expectations from the start that, hey, I may be away for a certain period of time, but having systems and processes in place that allow you to do so within reason. So I think, I think a lot of people forget like the whole point of like or the luxury of a employed job where it's like as soon as you're clocking out like you are done until you have to show up the next shift you don't have to think about anything whereas it's like 20 it's literally 24 7 yeah. that we're thinking about what's going to be happening or what's happening tomorrow all that yeah. and i, I kind of miss that a little, a little bit but it is what it is now. i caught the drift I caught even the drift. even we're on the golf course yesterday I don't think this guy stopped talking about mortgages the whole time, but it's yeah. like, it's just ingrained yeah. in us, right? And I know I'm still like that as well, but now I guess, you know, hanging around other realtors and I remember people were like, I don't want to talk about work today. And I never yeah. really got it before. And then I was like, wow, I'm like, that's all I'm thinking about. That's all I'm talking about. It's like, there's more to life, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. I think we just get caught up in like, what, what is your end goal? Yeah. I was having a conversation with someone the other day and it's like, reverse engineer that, like, where do you want to be in 25 years? Like, what are your bigger goals? What are you doing to get there? Otherwise, we're just, it's this endless cycle. 
And then again, you see people on Instagram and social media and you know, this guy sold 14 homes yesterday, right? Maybe you only need to sell 12 to give you the life that you want, right? We're, we're all chasing something, but I think we forget the why. Knowing the why is the most important part, which is just you need constant reminders throughout the year. So, 100%. Yeah. Dropping bombs. Powerful. Yeah, that's a mic drop. Not these mics, though. I need these <laughs> paid me money for this. Actually, Sean Zuber paid me money for these. <laughs> Anyways, I think uh, we're going to wrap it up. So, thanks everybody for tuning in to episode six of the Big Deal Real Estate Podcast. Again, uh, can you leave us a like if you're watching on YouTube? We need likes on these videos because people are watching them, but they're not liking them. So if you stayed to the end, please leave us a like on YouTube. Subscribe, follow us, tick the bell, Spotify, uh, all the same stuff. Alex, thanks for coming out, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me, boys. It was fun. Yep, thanks a lot. Yeah. See you on the next one, guys. Peace.